Yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away. Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I have five experts. Our special topic today, we are revisiting self-publishing. Those of you out there who think you have a story, an idea, a true story, a fantasy story, a sci-fi story, whatever it is, and you don't want to or don't think you can get an agent and go through a big publishing house, you can self-publish. It's a trend that started several years ago, and it is in full swing. And I have five people back from our show in May to talk about it. I want to do a shout out to Ryan Treasure, the voice who introduced me. He is the VP of Broadcast Operations at World Talk Radio. I want my panelists, before I introduce you, to wave hello. We are live on LinkedIn. Everybody wave hello to LinkedIn. There we go. And wave hello to Facebook. Also, a lot of waving today. And say hello, one, two, three. Hello Hello. to the Voice America Business Channel. We got it right. So let me give you my buzz and then we'll have my guests reintroduce themselves to the audience. And our topic today is the future of the self-publishing trend, a real page turner. Aha, part two. So here's a buzz I found on a website called studybreaks.com on an article on self-publishing. Thanks to markets like Amazon that have made it easier than ever to access books, authors no longer have to be wait to given a green light. That means you're ready, you're ready. Buzz number two. This is from Written Word Media, and they say, self-publishing is an ever-changing industry. Here's number one trend. More traditional authors are going to realize the opportunities that indie publishing, we'll talk about that, can bring, specifically with regards to ebook sales. You all know what an ebook is. Trend number three, I skipped two. Authors will benefit from competition in the ebook marketplace between Amazon, Apple, and Google. I'm going to say, oh my. And here's buzz number three, which I used before. 10 years ago, it's probably 12 years now, ebooks made up less than 1% of the trade book market. They now make up 40 to 50% of units sold. And the key word for me there is units sold. Sold, meaning people are selling ebooks. In genres like fantasy, romance, and science fiction, traditional publishers have lost their former iron grip on the industry. Successful major authors are even choosing to self publish. Let's stop there. Let's say we have today, we have publisher Eddie Vincent. Eddie, why don't you wave hello and I'll have you introduce yourself in a second? There's Eddie. We have novelist Ursula Wong. Ursula, wave hi. We have ghostwriter and novelist Jeff Deck. Hello, Jeff. How are you? We have novelist Barbara. Epic Struna. Barbara, say hello. There she is. And we have indie writer Dale T. Phillips. And we're going to ask them for their take on the future of self-publishing, our real page turner, part two. Bonnie in the house, happy to be here. Let's go around the table and have everybody reintroduce themselves. Eddie, you've been on so many shows with me. I think everybody's saying, oh, yeah, we know it's Eddie Vincent. (laughs) But just for the, just, I'm guessing, Eddie, there might be 8.3 people who don't remember you, just talk to them. So, Eddie, reintroduce yourself. What do you do and what's your passion for self-publishing? I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Eddie Vincent. I um, own Encircle Publications and I own ENC Graphic Services and I help authors self-publish. My passion is teaching them how to self-publish and be publishers on their own. 
it's more than just putting their book together for me. It's the relationships I build with everyone. And on the publishing side, my authors mean everything to me. It, it's all about relationships. That's what I get the most joy out of. Eddie, so have you I'm seen self-publishing grow? Like, like my opening quote said, do you think it's 40, 50% of the, the trade book market? Or do you think it's higher than that by now? I don't think it's higher than that, but I do see it going in that direction. I definitely th- think more and more people are self-publishing. And I think that the main publishers, like the big publishers, some of their bigger authors are going to s- decide to do some self-publishing, but also do traditional publishing. I think it will be a hybrid for those publishers, at those authors at that level. Interesting. I was going to ask. Thank you for answering. Ursula Wong, you're up next. Ursula, there might be, I don't know, nine people who don't remember you, just a half a person more than Eddie. Go ahead and talk to them, please. Ursula, welcome back. We're so happy to have you. Go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. It's great to be here again. Um, I, I've been writing for about 10 years. Before that, I, I did all sorts of things. I was a com- com- communications analyst for the government. I did IT. I answered uh, obscure questions like, on my computer, how do I know you are who you say you are? Really got into twisted aspects like this. But I went into fiction about 10 years ago, and I started writing historical fiction. And I really like to write about women who assert themselves, either as the good guy or the bad guy. It doesn't matter to me. And I think that... um, uh, you know, this plays well into what I've done. It's, uh, you know, I started with um, writing about my ancestral country, Lithuania, and uh, World War II, and how in Eastern Europe, World War II was about the Russians. It wasn't about the Nazis. It was about the Soviets and the Soviet occupation. And that really evolved into a number of books about different political aspects, like if you have nuclear waste buried in the woods in Eastern Europe, what can you do with it? I write about pipeline terrorism. I write about um, Chinese land grabs in Central Asia. And now I'm writing about espionage, the the new face of espionage in Russia and Eastern Europe. So it's how I keep busy. Uh, Politics and history rock my socks. And for more on what's been and what's coming, go to my website, UrsulaWong.wordpress.com. Thank you, Ursula. Ursula, do me a favor. Mute yourself when you're not not talking, just for now. Because I think we're getting an echo on you. And Jeff Deck, you're up next. Jeff's the same people, nine people who didn't remember Ursula. They probably want you to reintroduce yourself so you can talk to them. Jeff, welcome back. Nice to see you. Excellent. Thanks, Bonnie. And thanks so much for having me on again. Uh, So I'm a uh, novelist myself, and I'm also a fiction ghostwriter and a writing coach. My passion is to help other people tell their stories and uh you know, help them finish their novel in particular, uh, if they've been experiencing some barriers to uh, getting to the finish line there and uh, preparing some course content to help people do that. So that's, uh, that's been my preoccupation lately. And, uh, and yeah, and you can learn more about um, my uh, books and my services at jeffdeck.com. Very good. And what's your what's your take on self-publishing? Do you agree with Eddie that it's about 40-50% still hovering around there in terms of percent of books? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the percentages are often underestimated because a lot of the uh, 
a data reporting that uh, news articles draw on is from um, you know traditionally uh, published aligned organizations. So um, there's and you know uh, companies like Amazon tend to be very opaque about the data that's going on under their hood. So there's a lot of guesswork on that end. So uh, I feel like the picture can become distorted. Thank you very much. Or shall we say not a lot of clear and present data? We'll leave. Can I leave it at that? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Well, or we don't know where to find it. Okay. I'm not going to get into that one. Thank you, Jeff. Lovely to have you back. Barbara Epic Struna. So happy to see you. You're looking very, very Barbara-ish today. I'm happy to see you. Barbara, would you please do me the, I don't know how many people, I think everybody remembers you. So Barbara, why don't you just talk to all of us and refresh our memory? What, who are you and what's your passion for self-publishing? Barbara. Sure. Um, um, I actually, I, I just like to tell stories and I've always liked to tell stories about the past and bring them forward to the present or the future, which is what I write. I write in alternating chapters. Started uh, back in 2006, and I found a small publisher in 2012. My book was published in 14, and then they closed after only publishing two books. So I was forced to be a self-publisher. I kind of came in the back end of it, so to speak. And, you know, I don't think I would ever go back to a traditional publisher because um, I've done pretty well. I've done very well, and um, a lot of things have happened because of it. And um, self-publishing, I think, is uh, finally going to start coming into its own as being respected. But there is still a tiny little bit left. And one of my predictions, which I'll talk about later on, explains that a little bit more. So um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. And let's go to our final panelist, Dale T. Dale, I have to tell you, I know that you generously shared the Zoom link on Twitter, but one of my panelists gave out the phone number for Voice America, and my engineer just told me the phone lines are blowing up with people trying to listen to the show on the phone. (laughs) We haven't done phone shows in in a year and a half. So anyway, if you're trying to call in and you're hearing us somewhere, this is a Zoom show. We are live on LinkedIn, live streaming. Go to Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. If you're looking at us for, for us on Facebook, Facebook, dot com slash technology revolution find us and we're also broadcasting live on the voice america business channel find us there dale t phillips the man who wants to keep promoting we're so happy to have you here (laughs) dale and i had a chat about that dale go ahead reintroduce yourself please hi folks dale t phillips and my motto is scary books and murderous crooks so I have a mystery series set in Maine, and I also write science fiction, fantasy, horror, and a few other things. I have a nonfiction book as well, How to Be a Successful Indie Writer, which a lot of this information that we're discussing and the historical aspect of it, bringing it up to today and for the future, helps authors to determine their path, whether they want to go with the traditional method or if they want to try this, this independent publishing revolution which is the the technological revolution. A number of things happen at the same time to make it possible. And we now have free tools and free promotion to be able to distribute around the world without the use of just bookstores. And as to your uh, percentages on uh, don't leave out audiobooks because audiobooks are about 25 to 30% of the market with the rest being split between the eBooks and uh, print books. For myself, I can 
give you the number of print books I bought in the last 10 years, probably less than a dozen. Ebooks, dozens, if not more. So that's just one data point. Thank you very much. Happy to have data points. And I have a question. Eddie, I'm going to start with you. Let's go around the panel. I've read something called indie publishing versus self-publishing or traditional publishing. What is an indie publisher? Are you one, Eddie Vincent? And then we'll go around. What, do you, what, did you, what can you tell me to inform me? So I look at indie publishing in two ways. One, the indie publisher is a small press like myself, but it is also another more acceptable name for a self-publishing author. If they, if they think the self-publishing author does not come across as well, then they use indie publisher. And basically that is just so people don't look at them as self-publishing. I often tell my clients, come up with a company name, just come up with one. It makes you look a little more professional. Isn't that interesting? I did not know. Ursula, unmute for a minute, Ursula, and just knock down, turn down your volume on your computer audio just a little bit. That's where we were getting feedback. It's bouncing back at you. Ursula, what's your take on indie? Do you agree with Eddie, indie versus self-publishing, the respectable way to present your book? What do you think? Well, I, I think it is. Um, from my view of the world, self, um, uh, small press um, really is part of the traditional market, even if you go with a small mom and pop firm, um, because you as the writer are partnering with a publisher and you know, you're getting your book done. When you do it yourself, you can um, hire people to help you. You can create a business. So that's where the name comes in for a publishing company. You can um, you know, get it done without you know, getting the quote unquote blessing, you know, from a publisher, you go forward and you decide it's your work, it's your product on the market and you go forward with that. So um, that's the way I see independent. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Glad we're covering the nuances here. Jeff Deck, what do you have to, Ursula, why don't you just um, mute again, just until, until it's your turn for the quote, just to make sure we don't get that bouncing off your mic. Thank you, Jeff, go ahead. Uh, I mean, I, I like the term indie publishing just because it explicitly ties um, the, you know, like doing it yourself writing to other indie traditions like indie music and indie food, indie magazines, mm-hmm. indie movies. Like, yes. uh, you know, we, we celebrate those kinds of things because it's uh, somebody breaking away from the norm and yep. like doing something on their own. And, uh, you know, it's going to be something creative and maybe it's going to be a little different than the mainstream, but it's uh, it's something to seek out if you want a really like authentic experience, and uh, so that's you know I feel like indie books can uh, can do that, and you know well some of them are going to read a lot like uh, traditionally published books, but you have a lot more spectrum of opportunity there. Thank you, Barbara. Your take on indie versus self-publishing, or are they the same? Um, let's say this: um, I would I'm probably uh, still a hybrid. Um, because uh, indie publishing, um, I, I have a, a whole to- I have a whole uh, team that I call on to do my my work, uh, uh, cover designing, uh, formatting. I don't do that, and so um, I also have a, a, a number of uh, Isbin numbers that are in my roster. I bought them. I bought multitudes of them. I bought a lot of them. I intended to write a lot. But if I think I see somebody that would maybe I could, I could sponsor them. 
I could print their books and publish them if I wanted to. Under I do have a different name that I go up go by when it says who published the books. So, yeah, it's a, it's a decision that you have to make make yourself whether you just want to have one book out, then you just you self publish it and you're done. But if you want to have more than one book, you should classify yourself as an indie publisher because you're just you're going forward with more books. Very interesting. It gets. Deeper and deeper and better and better. Dale Phillips, let's add to this. What's your POV? Thanks, Bonnie. The term self-publishing can be a bit of a misnomer because while traditional publishing gives you the team, you have no control and they determine everything about your book. In end of indie publishing, you hire your own cover creator to get the best cover you possibly can. You hire a great editor instead of getting the 25-year-old you know, MFA at the bottom of the list at the publishing house. You get to control the format. You get to control the price. You get to control the distribution. This is you choosing your own team of publishing rather than having some team given to you. And if you're not one of the most successful authors, you're not getting the best. In independent publishing, like indie music, as Jeff brought out, you get to choose everything about your career and have total control and accept success and it's it's on you that's that's the part of self but it's independent much like independent music is you're not going to get the mainstream usual boring material you're going to get new and exciting from unheard voices thank you very much very interesting i have a question for all of you i'll do it the answer by a raise of hands if you decide to self-publish, can you only print, print in quotes, an ebook, a digital form, and not ever let it see paper? Do you, can you get away with not actually having a print version sure. of the book? If the answer is yes, raise your hand. Anybody say yes? Wow. So you can just do a and that would mean you can have a beautiful cover design, right? You just don't have that feel of the paper. So the book has a full presentation and you control the colors and what it looks like and the typeface and the pagination and the chapter heads and, and the liner notes, if you will, the front and the back, everything. And you can do very, very, I'm still working on my novel, by the way. I'm so caught up in the background of the novel. I haven't gotten yet to who killed the, the person who dies. I know who it is, but I've, I've got a psychological profile of the, the killer. I didn't say murderer yet. Uh, he, I think he kills her with kindness. But anyway, I haven't decided how that happened. So I'm still writing background. It's going to be a, a 20,000 word novelette. I'll let you all know when it's ready. I will self-publish, Eddie, and I will not see it will not see paper print i want to tell you all that thank you all for that that sidebar i just thought it would be interesting for the audience to know that so let's move on this is the part of the show where i've asked my esteemed guests to send me a quote from a movie or a tv character or a song lyric that they love that has nothing to do with our topic today which is the future of the self-publishing trend a real turn page turner dale where did you go and a part two so eddie vincent i'm looking at your quote love this one it's from buzz lightyear i think everybody recognized that name voiced by tim allen in toy story in 1995 american computer animated comedy film buzz lightyear is a space ranger action figure and woody's rival who later becomes his best friend see the movie to find out four little words four important words eddie vincent to infinity and beyond tell us what this has to do with our topic eddie go ahead well the way i look at it is when you're self-publishing you can just go 
gangbusters. There's no limit. And that's what I get out of that quote. There's no limit and you can just go, go, go and have great success. And, and that's really all it was for me on that quote. Thank you very much. I love it. I, I think that's where we wanted to see the em, em, emphasis and the optimism for, for the trend. Thank you very much. Let, a man of brief words. That's Eddie. He publishes them, but he doesn't want to talk. Dale is back. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ursula sent us a quote from Presser, Professor McGonagall, played by the amazing and inimitable and iconic Maggie Smith. And this is from, of course, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, based on J.K. Rowling's novel, made into a 2001 fantasy film. Professor Minerva McGonagall is a fictional character. She's a professor at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and is the head of Gryffindor House and Professor of Transfiguration, the deputy headmistress under Albus Dumbledore and a member of the Order of the Phoenix. Can you imagine Ursula, what her business card would look like if she had one. It would be, we have to have a, you know, it's the size of a book. Here's the quote Ursula has selected from Professor McGonagall. Five points will be awarded to each of you for sheer dumb luck. Ursula, let's hear what this has to do with our topic. Go ahead. Well, last time I talked about um, luck, you know, in the good sense that, um, you know, someone um, out there will notice your work, even if it's been independently published or traditionally published, doesn't matter. People will notice it, book clubs will notice it, and you will go forward and accolades will come in and things will be wonderful. But this time, I want to turn luck on its ear. And please don't advertise this, but I got my first two-star review last week. So I wanted to crawl into bed and put the blanket over my head. <laughs> I, was, I was just decimated. So Aww. I thought about it. And, you know, not everybody can like your work. Not everybody should like what you do. And, you know, I write about politics, I write about POV, and I have great reviews out there. And, you know, somebody didn't like it, and they didn't like it enough. So they wrote about it. And I thought, you know, um, is there any good in this? And um, I thought about, you know, women who try to please people all the time. Um, I, I think that's you know, something that a lot of women struggle with. And mm-hmm. I do, I didn't think I did, but boy, this, this really brought it back. And, you know, I got to thinking you can't please everyone um, with more people reading your book, um, yes. more variety of readers, readers with different background, they'll come in for different perspectives. They may love it. They may dislike it, but it means you have a broader reading audience. And that's a very good thing. And, you know, you just really have to pick it up and go forward realizing that you have something to say people can react to it you hope it's for the good um a few may not like it but it's a learning curve it's luck that puts these obstacles in your path and you know even though it may not be a happy time trying to figure it out and gain something about that to improve yourself as a writer and yourself as a business owner if you publish your own books that can be a very, very useful thing. So luck on its ear. That's the way I look at this quote sometimes. Ursula, imagine if you had spent $50 million producing a movie with A-list stars and the reviews came back. That movie is a piece of blank, blank, blank from Roger Ebert or any of the other major reviewers. And imagine what that feels like on a big, I'm not minimizing, I'm just saying, 
it is what it is. I, I have written some romantic comedy plays and produced them in New York in my TV studio and to rave reviews. And I produced one for a live, live cast, a live audience uh, about two years ago. And I was bashed, smashed and trashed by local people. I mean, they didn't understand it. They said terrible things about it. I was accused of bringing the wrong cast in. It was an absolute disaster. I had a great time doing it. And the the actors did, the dancers did, but it was an absolute lambaste of everything I stood for. I don't think I left the house for two weeks after because it was local. It was real people, Barbara. It was, I mean, Ursula, it wasn't just people online leaving a review. It was real people in my face. So I think the creative arts, everybody can agree with me or not. Dale's nodding his head. The creative arts, we put ourselves out there. And we don't know who the reader, the viewer, the audience in the theater, the audience on live streaming, on streaming media now. We don't know who they are. And today, everybody thinks they have an opinion and they have a right to post it somewhere. So <laughs> tweet, tweet, tweet. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> Thank you, Ursula. Thank you for, for sharing that interesting experience. And I'm not minimizing at all what you were sharing, but I'm saying it happens in different levels in our faces sometimes. You just have to say, suck it up and go have a milkshake or something and say, I'll, I'll, do, I'll talk to somebody else different tomorrow. So let's move on. Let's see. We have a quote next from Jeff Deck. And Jeff has sent us, I think Jeff's quote speaks to Ursula's experience. Jeff is sending a quote. Jeff, you'll get it in a second. Jeff sent a quote from Solomon Good, G-O-O-D-E, played by Ashley Zuckerman in Fear Street Part 3, 19... 19- I'm sorry, 1666. It's a 2021 American supernatural horror film, not a genre I go to very often at all. And here's the quote. One does not summon the devil by chance. Ursula, think about how that, <laughs> right? One does not. Jeff, it's interesting how the, the planets align. So, Jeff, rescue us, please. What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I knew I had to plug the Fear Street movies somehow because they, they were you awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of well-done horror. But uh, uh, I think what we're speaking to here is, uh, is planning and intentionality. And, uh, you know, if you, if you have like an ambition, like you're, it's not going to just happen accidentally or uh, by, by luck. I mean, there's always going to be some factor of luck played into it. And we do need to recognize that sometimes people get lucky breaks, but if you're a self-publisher, if you're an author, you know, trying to make it on your own, you really need to have a plan. Like you need to have, uh, you know, the direction that you're going like pretty planned out. Like for example, a lot of indie authors will, um, will become particularly successful if they do something like rapid release of a series where they write, uh, you know, a few books at a time in a series and then release them like, you know, a week or two weeks apart. And then they can really take advantage of like the Amazon algorithms. Um, so like they, there's a lot of intentionality there. There's a lot of like forethought. Um, the content of books themselves, if you really want to become successful as an indie author in a particular genre, like it helps to become familiar with the tropes and reader expectations, and uh, you know to to summon the the uh, the, the devil that you're looking for. Uh, you know, it's you're not going to just stumble across it. Um, so that's that's my weird take on uh, indie success. <laughs> 
Thank you very much. And you did get the promo for the movie. Thank you very much. Let's go, let's go to Barbara's quote. Barbara, this quote is from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, 1989. I shudder to think how many years ago that was, when 30 years ago. Oh, it was just yesterday. I remember that one. I want to read the scene. May I? For a minute here, Barbara. Okay. So the character played by, well, first of all, it's a, they say it's a constant source of humor throughout this classic movie are Todd and Margot, the yuppie neighbors who live next door to the Griswolds and look down on everything they do. So uh, the actor, Nicholas Guest played Todd Chester. And he said, well, something had to come through the window. Something had to break the stereo. And Margot Chester played by the one and only Julia Louis-Dreyfus says, and why is the carpet all wet, Todd? And Todd Chester says, I don't know, Margot. And no, it's all in caps. So the quote Barbara has selected is, I don't know, Margot. Barbara, talk to us. I have no idea what it means, but it sounds hysterical. Go ahead. I, I say that a lot. To my to people within my family, because it's a tradition to watch this movie. And whenever we're discussing things, it sometimes will say somebody will ask a question and somebody will say, I don't know, Margo. And we all know what we're talking about, because you don't really know what's going on, even though you're aware of what's happening. You know, you can see it. And so I just think that uh, too often um, you feel you've done everything right, whether you're traditionally published or you're self-published. And you're not selling. And the only thing you can say is, I don't know, Margo. <laughs> and that's what goes through your head because you just don't know what is going on. Why can't I do that? And uh, to, to uh, twin with Ursula and Jeff is that when you get these negative comments or whatever, um, it's actually a sign that you are respectable in as a writer. Because if you get all five stars, it doesn't mean anything. You've got to have people that will say, you've got to have some ones and twos down there because that looks like you are a real writer then. And the more reviews you get, the more you're going to get these, I don't want to say crackpots, but you know, unusual people <laughs> who have had a bad day and they don't know why they're not feeling well. They're going to take it out on you. So you're going to encompass those you know, encounter those things. And I just think that so often you say, I don't know why this book isn't selling. It's good. It's well published, got a good cover. It's out there. And then, but you have to look at those negative things and say, there's something there that there, those negative things are telling me what I need to do now in order to bring it forward to more selling. There's always a positive in those negatives. And if you get about five people that say the same thing, Listen to them. Even a query letter, a rejection, they're telling you something. You didn't either get their attention. Your opening line is not interesting. They're telling you something. The, the trick is not to say, I just don't know and let it go. You've got to figure it out. So that's what I like to say. I don't Thank know. Thank you, Barbara. Very interesting. You mentioned about opening line. There is a uh, Reedsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y. Anybody aware of Reedsy? And they do live Zoom calls and people from all over the world join, hundreds of people. And they do writer's workshops. And recently they did one. I found it annoying because people are in the chat talking while the presenter is talking and trying to teach a lesson and the chat's going back. Bah, 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 bah. I mean, hundreds of things. It's like a Twitter stream is just going on and on and on. And they did one on analyzing famous first lines in novels. 
and they mm-hmm. took apart. They had the presenter share some of her first ones, and then people were suggesting some of their own in the chat, and she was responding to some of them and breaking them down on the different kinds of character descriptions and different kinds of opening language. It was very interesting, but I couldn't take the chatter going on because I couldn't hear her. I was reading, oh, and from all over the world, I kid you not, the countries people representing was very, very popular. Anyway, let's move on. Thank you, Barbara. Dale T. Phillips has sent us a quote from Doc Holliday, played by another iconic actor, Val Kilmer, in Tombstone, 1993 American Western film, loosely based on events in Tombstone, Arizona, of course, including the gunfight at the OK Corral and the Earp Vendetta ride during the 1880s, depicts a number of Western outlaws and lawmen such as Wild Wired Earp, Wyatt Earp, William Brosius, Johnny Ringo, and Doc Holliday. And here's the quote I'm your Huckleberry. Dale, what in the world? Is this like, I don't know, Margo? You got to help us here. What does this mean? No, this is because within the movie, the character of Johnny Ringo is the unbeatable bad guy. He's a gunman that no one can beat. And this is like traditional publishing, which was the only way to be successful as an author until, say, about 10 years ago. And still there are people today that are saying, you still can't beat it. And all evidence to the contrary. And it's the willingness of someone like Doc Holliday to stand and go, oh, I'll play with you. I don't care what the odds are. We're going to do it. And the funny thing is, is being an independent author and looking at the character of Johnny Ringo, you see the instant fear in his eyes when he realizes that somebody of his level can make it and beat him. And traditional publishing, which has been a crumbling fortress for such a long time, is has now losing out and will possibly mostly go away as far as the large traditional publishers in favor of companies like Eddie's. Uh, a lot of smaller presses are going to come back and take over. But it's that willingness to say against all odds, oh, I'll play. I don't care what the odds are. We're going to do this. Thank you very much. Thank you all for doing the work on the quotes. I really enjoyed. Barbara, I can't get that. I don't know, Margo, out of my head. That's going to come up in a lot of, I'm going to have to tell people what the reference is until they all understand it. So now we're going to go to our predictions. We've been talking, if you're just tuning in, this is Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, here with an esteemed panel of writers and ghostwriters and self-published authors and a publisher as well. And we are talking about the self-publishing trend, which I now learned can also be called the indie publishing trend. This is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to please send me predictions on where we're going with this, which is why we're all here talking about the future. So, Eddie Vincent, I'm going to read your prediction. Uh, It was actually prediction number two from part one, but we didn't use it. So here it is for you to take about two minutes and I will put into the chat, everybody, the prediction next that I'm going to choose for each of you. So Eddie says, Amazon's new publishing platform will become a game changer on how self-publishing authors find their fans and book buyers. Very interesting. Eddie, take it over for about two minutes. Go ahead. Hi. Um, So I said that because this new format allows experiments for the authors. They they can put out 5,000 words on a story. So they'll be able to find new audience. They'll be able to find out if what they're writing will work or not work. Uh, There's interaction between the author and the reader. So there's feedback that you're getting live, which you don't get now. 
you know, directly live from the reader. I also believe that when you do this on a weekly, monthly basis, you will start getting a following for the way you write. The, the, your voice will be heard and it will, and because it's on Amazon, everybody will see it. When they go into Vela, there's an opportunity to find you. Book buyers, you know, they're going to now recognize you as a writer and they'll start looking up, looking you up. And I also believe that, you know, with Vela, you can't publish a book. You can't publish what you put on Vela into a book until you take it off Vela. So it's a good test market to see if that book is going to fly or not, at least at the beginning. Um, so I just think it's, it's a great new platform. I'm actually talking to some of my authors about having us publish them in Vela to see, to, to try to get my publishing company more exposure. So it, it work, I think it can work for a small press, but I definitely think it can work for the self-publishing author. Eddie, thank you. For those in the listening and viewing audience who don't know what Vela is, can you just give us a quick a definition or overview, a go-to? Well, I'm not an expert by any means, but from what I can say with Vela, it is a platform that allows you to put short stories in, up online so people can buy it. It's kind of like Kindle, except it's an online, and they allow you to put 5,000 words up at a time. Interesting. So maybe I should make my 20,000 word uh, novelette I'm writing, divide it into little pieces and put it up as a four-part book series. Thank you very much. Very inspiring. Let's go to Ursula. I'm looking at, go ahead. Somebody want to say something? Go ahead. I hear somebody. Okay. Ursula's next. Ursula, I'm looking at your prediction. This is interesting. We talked about taking control of the destiny, the future of your book from design, cover to cover, print and pagination and type and all that good stuff. And you say, uh, Ursula predicts improved book cover generation tools that edit an image based on voice command. All I'm going to say is, wow, really? Ursula, talk to us. Is this real? Is it happening already? I don't think it's happening. And I, I actually, I thought of this when I was in the pool sipping some wine, thinking about how <laughs> I could improve life. But I think one thing with self-publishing is that um, when you reach out to people to help you, you know, Barbara mentioned this, to, to do a book cover and for example, or to do formatting, uh, sometimes you want to know enough about it so that you can really make a good judgment in terms of who you hire to help you. So um, I work with some wonderful book cover artists, but it was bothering me that I really didn't understand what went into creating a book cover. And I think there's three big things. One is the artistry of it, you know, the fonts and the image and so forth. The other is understanding the genre um, so that you, uh, the book cover is what readers expect. And the third is a tool where you can take that visualization and make it a digital image. So just talking about the tool, um, I, I, I wanted to get into this myself. And um, so I looked at tools. I looked at Photoshop. I looked at GIMP. I looked at um, uh, products on the various products, um, Adobe product suite and so forth. And there are so many options. It's almost staggering. So I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have a program on your computer? My program will be named Simon. And I would bring Simon up and Simon would say, Ursula, what can I do? How can I please you today? And I would say, Simon, 
I want you to take image one and two in my pictures folder, put them half and half to create a the front of a print cover, jagged edge between them, orange back, orange spine, fade to dark around the edges, use a horror font. A few seconds later, Simon would say, Ursula, it's done. And <laughs> may I say, what a beautiful book cover. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? A wishful thinking, productive, innovative, hoping for an easier future prediction from Ursula. Everybody give Ursula a round of applause. That's one of the most creative predictions I've ever had on any of my shows. So even if the person who gave you two stars, then we're not going to mention that again. You just tell them you're, you're one of the innovative creators here. So you get props for that. Let's move on. I'm looking at a prediction from, we've got one from Jeff here. And Jeff, I've picked, uh, this was actually from part one as well. You say, you'll need your readers to love you. In the coming years, the most successful authors will be the one whose readers love them, love them rather than their books. That's interesting, Jeff. Can you break it down for us, please? I sure can. Uh, so, I, in reading uh, up and getting a lot more well-versed in marketing, which is something that I think um, you know most indie authors should consider doing, you really you really learn about how people make a lot of buying decisions, not really based on like you know, rationality and logic, but on emotions, like uh, purchases are, are emotional. And if people feel connected to you as a person, you know, as, as like either someone that they trust or someone who's, you know, work that they respect or just someone who they think, oh, like if I met this person in real life, like I, I think we could really get along, then they're going to be much more likely to, you know, buy your books in the long term. In the short term, I mean, if you're starting out as someone, you know, not many people know you yet, like in the short term, like you really want to target, um, you know, the right, you know, tropes for your genre and all that stuff. And the the content of your books is going to be uh, driving sales like the, you know, this description uh, oh, you know, there's, um, you know, there's a, a body found in a mansion. Oh, I like uh, cozy mystery. So I'll pick up this, this book, even though I don't know the author. But, you know, what's going to keep people coming back is, uh, is a, a consistent presence and connection with your audience. And, you know, I mean, you can build that through social media, you can build that through, uh, you know, an email newsletter where you're reaching people's inboxes directly. And, you uh, and just little things too, like, um, you know, invitations to connect in like the front and back of your books and uh, oh. um, just making yourself uh, you know, accessible to the, to the public at, at certain times. And uh, um, you, you just, you have to think of, you know, rather than any one of your individual book titles or even series, think of yourself as the ultimate brand that you're putting out there. And so work on your, uh, on yourself and your presence accordingly. Interesting, Jeff. It reminds me that we're, we've been seeing the past few years, I think you can all relate to this, that we want to be work for companies and buy from companies and buy shares in companies whose values align with ours. And I think we have tagged the millennials as the the, the originators of this mantra that is growing in, in companies. And we look at companies' brands, it's what are they doing in terms of sustainability or in terms of supporting populations around the world? Or what are they doing in, in terms of uh, helping countries that need help or whatever their politics are, whatever their world good 
philosophy and mantra is we want to identify with people and companies. So I like what you said, Jeff, that you need to like and identify or have something in common with that author. Really good point. So the author becomes, in a way, the enterprise, right? The brand. Mm -hmm. Very, very well put. Thank you. Barbara, let's move on. I'm looking at your prediction. The new one you sent me for for part two, and you say, paperbacks will dominate for a few years forward within a country, but the popularity of either paperback or eBooks will eventually level and be evenly divided among readers. Internationally, the eBook will dominate. Authors will need both versions of their books. That goes back to my question before. Barbara, take us through this prediction, please. Yeah, I really do think um, that after the last couple of years, um, a lot of people have a yearning to hold a physical book in their hands. They're tired of computers. They're tired of Zooming, and the people are now working from home, which is wonderful. It's great. But, um, for example, on, on Cape Cod here, we have a lot of tourists. And I have never seen more people carrying a book rather than their phone or the iPad. People are carrying a physical book around. And the bookstores here on the Cape are selling. They're doing phenomenal. So um, I just think that for now, because of what we went through as a country the last year or two, we are going to yearn for something physical to hold in our hands. But internationally, it's still going to be ebooks because it's just too costly to, you know, sell the book, the physical book out of the out of your, the country that you're that you live in. So um, I, I this was a fact that I pulled from Publishers Weekly. And it said that um, in the year 2020 there were 942 million books sold combined, ebook and paperback. And paperback beat them. Paperback beat ebooks by a big margin. It said 751 million paperbacks and 191 million ebooks sold in 2020. To me, that tells me that you need both if you're going to be successful as an author, a self-published indie author, even a traditional author. You can't ignore either one of them. And the audible books, too, just like Dale said, that is very, very important. And that makes up that percentage of how many books are sold and in which format. So it's important and to go along with Jeff, going to art festivals, finally able to go. I went to two this year. And um, I'm going to two more, but I will probably wear a mask this time, even though we're outdoors. I won't go in indoors anymore. Not yet. But still, it's that physical book and people love to meet you and people love to hold something. It's a tangible experience. And the millennials, even my kids that are 20s and in their 30s and 40s, they look for tangible physical things because they are constantly online constantly through their work, through discussing, through Zooming, and they're a little tired of it. So hopefully everybody's going to watch this show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank you. Yes, math not required and distancing automatically built in. Thank you very much. I appreciate your comments, Barbara. Let's go to Dale. Dale has an interesting prediction. He says translations to other languages, meaning other than English, I assume, will become inexpensive and normalized, limiting ourselves to English-only versions of our works omits billions I like that optimism, Dale. Billions of potential readers. Dale, go ahead. Break this down for us, please. Yes, uh, thank you. Um, The trouble is we as English-speaking authors right now, um, unless we sell a great many copies, 
are limited to English unless we pay for an expensive translation. Now, in this modernized world, there really is little excuse for not having good translations of, of books available in other languages. Uh, I mean, all someone needs to do, a, a company, is to hire somebody good enough to be able to translate between the two languages and then, using the models of some other book distributors, be able to get that out around the globe. Now, that's going to be uh, less and less expensive to the point where in, uh, independent authors can finance it themselves, either do it all themselves or through an app or hiring a company such as Eddie's who's able to do that and get that book out across the globe into at least a number of different languages. So again, we're, we're not accessing six and a half billion people or more. And if we could, just think of the astounding success we could have. Astounding yeah. success and some spare change to, to go into the pocket. Thank you very much. Yes, it's still an industry that is looking to sell. Eddie, I was going to go to your prediction next, uh, the one that said self-publishing authors will have to have their titles in all possible formats to reach maximum audience and sales, but I think we've covered that. So forgive me if – Eddie, go ahead. You want to say? Uh, you did. They did kind of cover it, but I do want to <laughs> say one thing that was left out for yeah. the formatting ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget about large print. Because large Ooh. print is a huge marketplace mm. for the print. So I did want to mention that. And the other thing to what Dale had to say about foreign languages, um, reach out to foreign, um, oh, I lost it. Um, but reach out to foreign publishers to publish your books. Or agents, that's why reach out to agents. They will also pick up that and try to sell it for you into a foreign language. Sounds like a full-time job. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you for, for coming in with those distinctions. I'm, I didn't want to miss those. Thank you. Ursula, let's see. We squeeze in one more here. You say with more people preferring to self-publish, which we've established, I predict, this is Ursula talking, an explosion of self-publishing tools, including improved means for free, genre-specific browser-based book formatting by going to a specific, specific website. An author can upload a manuscript, select a genre, output format, print, ebook, etc., and receive a formatted manuscript ready for publishing. Wow. Ursula, let's just do this real fast. We've only got four minutes left to the show, and I'm going to try and squeeze in one more after you. Go ahead. Yeah, I think formatting freaks people out. Um, and this is the interior design of the book. So, you know, it's the font, it's how chapters are delineated and so forth. It's all the, the, the internal logistic of the book. And I find that my students come into me shaking with fear about how to do this. And um, I teach it and, you know, it's really diddling with Microsoft Word. But I think that um, right now with the tools that are on the market from Amazon and other providers, draft to digital if you're crafty and if you know what's going on, you can do free formatting. But it's only a step. As more people get into this, it's only another step in, uh, ahead to really have tools that simplify this mystery of formatting. Um, it's, it's certainly uh, within the auspices of a company like Amazon or draft to digital or Smashwords to do this. And I, I think we independent writers need to rally and demand better tools from our from our um, large uh, uh, catalog providers and services. Sounds like an opportunity for innovation and a new sub-industry in the publishing industry. There you go. 
Jeff, I want to squeeze this one in. We got about three and a half minutes left to the show. Mass exodus of trade pub publisher. Wait a minute. Of trade pub authors every year, the big publishers are consolidating further. Jeff, explain this, please. Sure. Uh, And and just real quick before I do, I just want to give a a shout out to the formatting software Vellum, V-E-L-L-U-M. It's Mac only, but it's definitely worth checking out for interior book formatting. I use it for all my books. Super easy to use. Um, yeah, my, uh, my point about um, traditionally published authors, uh, you know, leaving um, the, the big publishers, uh, you know, in, in the future, I mean, in some cases it's already started to happen, but I think we'll see even more of that in the future as it really becomes a business decision for each author. And, uh, you know, there's, with there being such a huge market and, and such a huge potential to dictate your own contract terms, uh, you know, I mean, because you're basically having a contact contract with yourself as a self-publisher. I think you're going to see a lot of even big name authors look at uh, starting to release their product themselves and have more control over that. Because uh, the, uh, you know, the the contracts that the big five or big four now use are basically shared amongst each other. It's kind of a monopoly. So it's not favorable to the author. Thank you, Jeff. And Barbara, I want a one-sentence feedback, if you can, on this one. You say, authors struggling to come on board with social media platforms will quickly realize they need to do this to sell books. Just a quick one-sentence, and then we got to wrap. Go ahead, Barbara. Uh, and just very quickly, is that um, uh, people, traditionally or self-published or indie-published, you need to have a social media platform, whether you like it or not. And it's very easy to do, and you can't just put your book cover up all the time and say, Bye, 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 bye. According to Jeff, you have to love that author. You've got to push yourself, brand yourself. And a lot of authors do not want to do that. They want their privacy. Well, then they're going to be in big trouble because they're not going to sell. Thank you. And Dale, I'm going to give you the last, last word. And the last word is your prediction. You said authors used to think they could make a living and earn a good living by publishing. <laughs> You're saying diversify, diversify. It ain't happening. Dale, one sentence and then we wrap. Go ahead. Yes. More product. Uh, more diverse product at good price points. You can't do one book a year and expect to be successful anymore. Thank you. I think we hear part three in that. Thank you to all of you. I'm so appreciative to you. Eddie Vincent, thank you so much. Love the predictions. And thank you for originally getting everybody together. Ursula Wong, such a pleasure. Jeff Deck, always great. Barbara Struner, such an elegant lady. We appreciate you. And Dale T. Phillips, the voice, the booming voice. And there he is. And thank you to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire. He was 26 when he came to work with me three years ago, and now he's 62, but we're working on that. (laughs) And everybody, I want you to put up your finger and wag your finger. Here's to my audience. Thank you for tuning in. This is Technology Revolution, the future of now. But remember, if somebody says to you, the future is already here, Dale, let me see you wag that finger. The future already here. You say, no, no, no. That was yesterday's future. Today's future (laughs) hasn't happened yet. The future of now, it's coming and we're going to all do our best to make it happen and make it a better one. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Bye, LinkedIn. Bye, Facebook. Bye, Voice America. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. 